Okay, so let us begin. Um, so there's a Gemara in Megillah, and Af Yud Amid Beis, that Rabbi Yechanan Darshan's a Pasuk, a famous uh, vart that he says that the Malachi Hashares, when the Egyptians were drowning, wanted to sing Shira Tashem. Ta Yisrael sang Shira, the Malachim wanted to sing Shira. HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at them and says, you can't sing Shira. Maisa yadai taivim bayam, the atamimim Shira, my handiwork, my, uh, my, the works of, of my hands, the creatures that I created, the Egyptians, uh, they may be imperfect, but they are my creations. They're drowning in the sea, and you want to sing Shira? And immediately they, of course, did not say Shira. Rav Aaron Cutler, Zechitzadik Levracha, says that, how do you understand this? What does that mean, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had compassion on Maisi Yadav? Okay, that, that's true, they're human beings. But these were very, very bad human beings. These were very wicked human beings. These were the Egyptians that tortured and uh, and and enslaved and embittered our our lives for hundreds of years. What does that mean that you should have compassion for Maisa Yade? These weren't tzaddikim that were drowning. So Rav Aaron Kotler says that Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachal is mitzta'er. At the end of the day, any creature that HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates is his handiwork, and he has tremendous chesed. We know HaKadosh Baruch Hu excels, and one of the Yud Gimel Midas is, is that he's a Baal Chesed. And so Mimidas HaChesed, he doesn't want people to be happy, to sing Shira and praise when Egyptians are drowning, when Risham are drowning, because it's part of his midah of chesed. He has this midah of compassion. The person could be the most wicked person in in history, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu ultimately has uh, sympathy for everybody. And Mimidah Ischasta, he says, Rav Aaron Kotler, uh, we find that HaKadosh Baruch Hu refused the offer of the Malachim to sing Shira at this uh, moment in history. Just parenthetically, the reality is that Klai Yisrael did sing Shira, and that's a question that obviously should uh, should trouble anyone learning that Gemara, that what's the difference between Klai Yisrael and the Malachim? After all, uh, if you can sing Shira, so then the Jews shouldn't have been able to sing Az Yashur either. And the Mepharshim, of course, explained that there is a fundamental difference between the angels singing and the Jews singing, because the angels really uh, were just uh, bystanders. They were just spectators. So for them to sing Shira uh, when the Egyptians were drowning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt that that was inappropriate, as opposed to the Jews who had suffered personally at the hands of the Egyptians, so they had skin in the game. For them, it was understandable that they wanted to break out in spontaneous song uh, and and praise of the Rabbi Shalom at this uh, Yeshua that was granted them. Now, based on this Gemara, the Beis Yosef in our Chaim Simon Tzadi says that this is the reason why we don't say 
a whole halal on Shvi Shal Pesach. There's a, a, an inherent difference between Pesach and Sukkot. On Sukkot, if you take note, every single day of Sukkot, we say a halal shalim. Every day we sing the entire halal, all of the prakim in their entirety, as opposed to uh, Pesach, which for some reason we only say halal shalim on the first day, or in Chutzlar it's on the first two days, but the rest of Yantif, Chalamayed, and the last days, we don't say halal shalim, which is obviously uh, very peculiar. Why should Pesach be any different than Shavuos? So the Beis Yosef gives a reason, and he says that the reason is that on the seventh day of Pesach, we can't say halal shalim because of this reason of Maisa Yadai Tayyim Bayam. After all, this is the day on the seventh day of Pesach is when the Egyptians drowned in the Yamsuf. And for us, who did not have personal skin in the game, we were really very similar in that regard to the angels of that time, that we were just we would just be singing Shira, a whole howl is, is a real Shira, and to sing that when the Egyptians drowned in the sea, that would be inappropriate. This is what the Beisayseif brings. Uh, he brings it, B'Shem Amedrash uh, Harnino, uh, that's the Beis Yosef's reason, and and if you're going to ask me, okay, that takes care of the last day of the last days of Yantip. But what about Chalamayed? Chalamayed, maybe we should sing all halal. So the Mefarshim explained that we the Chalamayed should not be any better than the last days of Yantip. If the last days of Yantip we're not singing halal shalom, we're only singing what's called a chatzi halal. So then Chalamayed should not be on a higher level than the last days of Yantif. So we basically only say Halal the first day or two of Yantif, and the rest of Yantif, Chalamayed and on, uh, we do not say, we do not say the, um, we do not say the whole Halal. Now, Rav Aaron Cutler, still in the same piece, he's bothered by this Beis Yosef, because the Beis Yosef generally doesn't, argue with the Gemara. The Gemara is the Gemara, and the Beis Yosef's job is to, is to quote a Gemara, but, and to paskin like a Gemara. But the Beis Yosef wouldn't bring a, a reason that is different than what the Gemara says. And if you look in the Gemara in Erechen, and Daf Yudam and Aleph, the Gemara discusses the difference between Halal of Pesach and Halal of Sukkot, and the Gemara does not say what the Beis Yosef says. The Gemara doesn't mention anything about but rather the Gemara says that there's an inherent difference between Pesach and Sukkot in that Pesach, all of the Karbanis are exactly identical. Every single day of Pesach has the same exact Karban Musaf. Sukkot, on the other hand, is very different. Every single day, there is a decreasing bull that's brought every single day. And so every day has its own unique system of karbanis, set of karbanis. And as such, the Gemara says that because Pesach is not any different from the first day on in terms of the amount of karbanis, there's, no, there's nothing new about the yantif, at least as far as the karbanis are concerned, and therefore, we wouldn't say Hal Shalem after the first day, because the first day is, that's a, a real regal, that's Yantif. After that, the Yantif is, of course, a full Yantif, but it's not, 
it lacks that newness, that freshness that the new number of carbonus bring. Sukkot, since every day it's a different number of carbonus, so that gives like a refresher every day. It's like it revitalizes, it refreshes, it renews the whole spirit of Yantiv. So you could say a new Halal Shalom every single day because it's a new Yantiv. But Pesach has already been there, done that. We did it on the first day. Once we repeat over and over and over again from Chalamayin and the last day is the same amount of carbonus, so... The Gemara says that we don't say Halal Shalem except on the first day. So if Aaron Kuller is bothered why the Beis Yosef needed to give his own unique reason about Maisiyah Detayim Bayam. Why wasn't he satisfied with the reason that was given in the Gemara? The Gemara is the Gemara. You have to abide by what the Gemara says. The Gemara gives us a reason. What are you coming and telling you? It's a beautiful reason he's giving, but why do you need to give an additional reason uh, other than the Gemaras? Rav Aaron Cutler beautifully says that if you examine that Gemara in Erechen, you get the rules of when, what days necessitate and obligate Halal to be recited. And when you analyze the Gemara, the Gemara basically says that First of all, we know we say we say uh, Halal Shalem on Yantif. Every Yantif, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, we say Halal Shalem, at least on the first day. And because when when you have a festival, when you have a Yantif, the festival requires us to sing Halal. That's the way it is. We we we're praise we're praising Hashem on these special days of the calendar that Yeshua's have been done to us and and uh, it's a beautiful time and uh, and basically we are coming close to the Rebbein, these are Mikrei Kaidish, we're uplifted, we feel spiritually very uh, uh, on a high level, elevated and so we are worthy uh, and these days are worthy to recite Halal Shalem on them. Then the Gemara says, okay, that makes sense for uh, all the days of the year. The Gemara like rejects Shabbos, it's not called a Maya. The Gemara rejects Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as candidates because it's uh, it's a day that uh, that Sifrei Chaim, Sifrei Mesim, our Psuchim Lefanov, it's too scary a day uh, when we're being judged to say Halal, even though it would be a nice day to say Halal, but we're afraid and we can't say a full, you know, Halal with a full, ta- with a full mouth of, uh, of happiness and, and relaxation, so we don't. Then the Gemara says, okay, so what about Hanukkah? The Gemara rejects Purim. What about Hanukkah? Why, are, why Hanukkah do we say Halal? And the Gemara says, Mishum Nisa, because of the miracle that happened on Hanukkah. That's why we say Halal. So what do we see from this Gemara? The Gemara seems to be saying that there's two obligations of Halal. Number one is Mayed, whenever it's a real full-fledged Yantif, we say Halal. The second reason for Halal is when a miracle happens, we have to praise Hashem for the miracle. Now, with that in mind, says Rav Aaron Cutler, I think we can understand why we need two drushes to only say Halal Shalim on the first day of Pesach. Why? says because if it's because of, uh, of Nase, Meaning, Shvi Shal Pesach, a miracle happened. Kriyas Yamsa was one of the biggest miracles, if not the biggest miracle in history. So the Gemara wants to, so 
you might say, okay, I understand because of the regel, because of the mayed, you don't want to say halal because of what the Gemara says, because it's not a full mayed, because the karbanis are different, and the karbanis are all the same. So therefore, it doesn't, it doesn't earn a recital of halal because of the yantif. But what about nace? What about, we see like Hanukkah gets its own halal because of the nace that happened. So maybe on the seventh day of, of, of yantif, of Pesach, we should say a full halal, not because it has a different set of karbanis, it doesn't. It's nothing to do with mayed. Not because it's a yantif, but what about the great miracle that happened on the seventh day of, of, of Pesach? For that we should say halal maybe, just like Hanukkah deserves a halal because of the miracle. So the miracle of the seventh day of Pesach should get a halal for that. To that, the Beis Yosef was addressing his statement that we can't say halal because of a nace on Shvi Shal Pesach. When I say halal, I mean a halal shalim on Shvi Shal Pesach because of uh, the nace, because since there's this element of Maisi Yadei Tevim Bayam, because the Egyptians were drowning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to sing praises when his handiwork are being destroyed. So, therefore, that's what the Beis Yosef was addressing in when he was saying why we don't say halal on Shvi Shal Pesach. As far as why we don't say halal on any of the days of Yantav other than the first, that's what the Gemara was addressing. But specifically Shvi Shal Pesach, which has a miracle embedded in it, that we should uh, say on, at least on that day a, a full halal because of the nays. To that the Beis Yosef says, no, we can't because of Maise Yadai Taivim Bayam. Now this Indian go. That's what that's the Gemara's right. That's right. That oh, uh, yeah. But I mean the Gemara the Gemara in Shabbos says that the miracle the reason why we say Halal on Hanukkah is because of the the nace of the Pach Shemen. If you look in the Gemara in Shabbos Chafal from Aleph. Uh, it says that the reason why we were kaveya yantif ba'alavayda is because of the miracle of finding the pach shemen. The miracle of the of the the military victory was an element that we also celebrate on Hanukkah. We say we mention al anisim, uh, the uh, you know that, and we also mention in uh, uh, after we light the menorah, we say haneres al anisim on the flies. Uh, but anyway, we, we make mention of the Mohammeds there, but, um, but the, the reason why we say Hal is, according to most at least, because of the nace of the Pach Shemen. Now, going back to this Indian of, of having sympathy for Rishayim, uh there is other Makairis besides for uh, for what we said about halal not being said on Shvi Shal Pesach, um, and that is, uh, we all know that we, by the Pesach Seder, we pour out some wine from the cup uh, at certain points during the Seder. Like when we say, Dam ve'esh v'simris ashan, we take a little, some people take a spoon and dip, take it out, some people take their finger and, and take a little wine out of their cup then, um, and then there's another place by if you count all those up it comes to 16 uh, different places that you take uh, wine out of your cup and the Mishnabura uh, the Ramah brings that as a minig and the Mishnabura explains that 
that the reason why we use our finger is because etzbelikimi and etzbelikimhu and the sixteen times are connected the ICS of the Shem Hashem the um, the the there were sixteen uh, uh, letters in the name of Hashem and Hashem hit Parai using those sixteen letters so that's why we take out sixteen drops in oil from our cup. But the altar from Slabotka says a different reason, a fascinating reason, that you could say over by your Seder, that the reason is because of, um, we have, we sympathize with the plight of the Egyptians. We're speaking the whole night about how the Egyptians got hit, and the Makas, and uh, and all of the uh, the Makas Shalayam, and uh, and we're basically, you know, being very, very uh, graphic in terms of how the Egyptians suffered greatly as a result of Mida Kenegan Mida. They deserved everything that they got, of course. But at the end of the day, we have to be Mishtatev Bitsar Shal Elu Shekiblas Amakas. We can't just be uh, gloating about the downfall of the Egyptians and become like these bloodthirsty type of people that are just, you know, happy to read about, you know, the, when, when our enemies go down in, in smoke. But rather, um, we have to, as people that are elevated, as Muslim personalities, we have, to, uh, we have to have sympathy for them, despite the fact that they were very evil and they did terrible things to us and they were really, had, had zero Rachmanis to Klal Yisrael uh, and they deserved everything that was coming to them. But nevertheless, we have to take out from our cup some wine as if to as if to give a little sympathy, as if to shed a, if not a tear, then at least a drop of our of our wine and say, listen, as much as as much as we're speaking about Ashram and and the Esermakis, but we're still we're 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 having a, a bit of sympathy for them, for our oppressors, even though that they were so evil. So this is sort of another Maramakam, this altar of Slabotka, uh, that really, I think, you know, jives very well with this concept of you see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had Rachmanis on the enemies of Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is supposed to have Rachmanis on our enemies. That's why, according to the Beis Yisrael, we don't say Halal on the seventh day of Pesach. And the altar says that that's why we also have to take a little... Um, a little wine out of our cups to mishtatev to join a little bit in their grief that they suffered. There's yet another makar for this. Of course, the pasuk says in Devarim Chaf Gimel Psukim Chesentes, Loisisaev Mitzri, do not despise the Egyptian Kiger Hayisa Ba'artza, because you were a stranger in their land. So don't uh, don't reject them, don't despise them, don't don't ostracize them, and Darshlishi their third generation would be allowed to marry into the Kalashem. So we have to we have to again feel a little hakar uh, for the Egyptians. So Rashi says, why do we have to feel bad for them and 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 not reject them? Shahayu lachem when we needed them, they were there for us. They were there. They provided a host country for us. We went. We were in a in a hunger, 
and and they opened up our their doors to us and they gave us uh, they provided for us. So we have to have some degree of akaras hatayv, which is a a pelagodol. This is uh, unbelievable. I mean, they were an achsa, they were achsanya, they were our hosts. They they butchered us and they uh, they they took our babies and they uh, and uh, they they put them as bricks into the wall. Um, they they embittered our lives. They made us work very hard. They uh, they they drowned us in the water. They didn't give us uh, straw even to make bricks. We had to make it all on our on our own. Uh, they, they, these were achzarias. The, the, the people of Egypt were were plain and simple, the cruelest people that you can imagine. And how can you say that I should have rachmanis on them that they hosted me? They, that's hosting. You know, if you go to somebody's house and they uh, and they they put you in the basement in a dungeon and they torture you all night and then you know you're supposed to say thank you on the way out, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Hundreds of years we were tortured in Egypt and yet we're supposed to have rachmanis on them. The Mechtam Eliyahu of Dessler learns a very big Musar Haskell that apparently we're wrong. That yes, even if you're put in a dungeon, you should also have a karsadev. We we don't appreciate. The degree of importance that Akar Satayev has in our life, but somebody like uh, Rav Dessler teaches us that it's so important to have Akar Satayev that as evil and as bad as they were to us, but you, that still does not uh, that that still does not remove us from our obligation of Akar Satayev. Because Lamaisa, we were Gerim in their land. We were strangers and we were, we were uh, foreigners and they took us in. And uh, we see from here, says Rav Dessler, how far Hakar Satayev extends. But personally, Saif Kol Saif, I had a very big problem with this, as I'm sure some of you also have a big problem with it, that at the end of the day, you know, would you say the same thing about the Nazis imachshamam that you know we owe them tremendous sakar satayv and we shouldn't reject them. We should be very nice to them because we were you know they were hosts. We were we were they were our host nation all those wonderful years from 1939 1945. You know they you know they hosted us. You know they gave us free room and board. I mean that that does that make sense? I don't know if the if the Egyptians were better or worse than Nazis, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, they definitely uh, were trying to do the same thing to us as, uh, as one another. They were in that same group of people that go down in history as being Risham that tried to, to destroy or, or to, to embitter our lives. And it would be very hard for me to understand that we should take out a drop of wine for them, for the Nazis, to sympathize with the Nazis and to, uh, and to you know, to have anything but... The, the greatest of uh, of revulsion from them and 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 try to you know distance ourselves from them in every, in any form possible and this was bothering me for a long time how can you have a karsatayev with all of these you know marimakaimis whether it's maisiyadentayev bayam or taking wine out of your cup or not rejecting them all of these things are pointing to a direction that it doesn't sit well, really, that people could be so cruel and so inhumane, and you're still able to have Rachmanes. Okay, I understand, you know, Zmidas HaChesed, very important to have Chesed, but it seems like a little bit of a, you know, of a, you know, of a mis, uh, uh, 
you know, a, a chesed that's, that's uh, inappropriate, that's misguided chesed. So a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I, I was going through some old Jewish observers. If anyone is interested in my office, I have a whole stack of maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 Jewish observers, which was the Agudas uh, magazine. It was a, you know, a really hush of a publication for, I'd say for a couple of decades, they published it monthly, and uh, we used to subscribe to it, and, you know, very, very thoughtful articles by Chashav Gedailim and Rabbanim, and um, anyway, so I kept them. And I was going through some of them, a lot of them you can get online, maybe all of them you can get online in case you're interested, but um, I found an article uh, in one of the Jewish observers that spoke uh, about Reb Meir Bloch. Reb Meir Bloch was Rosh of Tells in Cleveland, he was the founder and Rosh Hashiva of that great citadel of Tyra. Uh, he was one of the Rosh Hashivas in Cleveland, in, in, in Tells in Lithuania, and then he happened to have been in America fundraising when the war broke out, and he, uh, the whole city of Tells, of course, was, uh, was, was liquidated, uh, and he survived, and he rebuilt together with Rev. Mardechai Katz, Rev. Gifter. They rebuilt Tells in America uh, from the ashes of the great uh, yeshiva, the royal yeshiva, uh, Malchus Tells, they used to call it, in, in Europe, in Lithuania. So in this article, it said that he used to, uh, um, he once said it at the following, the following vart at a seder. The pasuk that we quote in the middle of the seder says, "The ever alayich, the erech mispaisasas bedamayich, the oimerloch bedamayich chayi." which is, by the way, another place to take wine out of the cup. I, and I passed over you and saw you downtrodden in your blood. And I said to you, through your blood you shall live, through your blood you shall live. What does that mean, through your blood you should live? What is, uh, what is, what is the Pasuk talking about? We, you know, we take our wine from the cup and we, as if it makes sense. What does that mean? What's the simple meaning of through, through your blood you shall live? Obviously, I have blood in my veins. I'm living through the blood. What does it mean? I'm through through your blood. You should live. We say this by a bris also. So Rebellion Mayor Bloch wanted to say as follows, and I'll read to you what his words: The Jews had been enamored of the Egyptian culture, and wished to assimilate. They really wanted to assimilate. They got into the culture in the early days of Egypt. They were very taken by it. It was a very uh, advanced civilization. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of Tumma that was very attractive. There was Vaidazara, uh, there was uh, Gilarayas, there was all, all sort of decadence uh, in Egypt, a very, very, uh, um, very uncivilized in certain ways, very, uh, uh, you know, low type of uh, activities that they were, that they were doing. But the Egyptians were enamored by this society and they wanted to assimilate. But when the Egyptians actually pressed Jewish infants into the wall to fill in gaps in the structure and slaughtered them to provide blood for Paro's baths, Paro was a mitzvah, he, he was a leper, and he, uh, he needed to bathe in blood, so he, he shechted Jewish babies in order to do that. 
the Jews were so outraged and were so revolted by what they had seen, they totally rejected Egyptian culture. The brutality, the flow of blood, actually inspired them to return to Judaism, the source of life. At that point, where others would wallow in despair, we find the source of our integrity and cause for hope. This is a tremendous chiddush that Rebellia Meir is saying. The Jews really were going to slip into oblivion. They were going to be acculturated by, uh, by the Egyptian culture around them. They wanted to assimilate. They wanted to just buy in to the system altogether. What stopped the Jews from doing that? Why are we here today? What made the Jews suddenly make a U-turn and start coalescing around Meish Rabbeinu and becoming part of the Am Hashem and, and Bnei Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov? What changed? We were so low. We were this close to singing into the 50th Sharatoma. What happened is, says Rebellion Mayor, that the, the cruelty, the bloodlust that the Gayim had the way they took our babies and crushed them and took their took the blood out of them and gave them to Paris bath when when the Jews saw that it was like a, a wake up call that was beyond anything else it was that moment when we saw how cruel they were and how and how they were able to do everything to us in such a vulgar disgusting manner taking our blood that itself was the turning point from which the salvation came. Bidamayachai means that by, by the blood we lived. The only reason why we're alive today, why we're Jews, is because the blood that we saw so easily spilled by our enemies, that woke us up to the reality that we're different than them that we're not going to be on their level. We're not going to be assimilated into that culture, Ahmad and Litzan. That's not what we are. We're better than that. We are higher than them. We are, we're, we're civilized, humane people. We are people that have a conscience. We're people that follow Hashem. We're people that have a Tyra or that will have a Tyra at that time in Egypt. And the recognition that we were different was precisely occurring as soon as we saw the blood that was being spilt, our blood that was being spilt so cruelly by the Egyptians, that was the turning point that created a new phase in Klai Yisrael's existence, and we went from there to leaving Egypt and to being Meqabal Taira. Sometimes you see something that's so disgusting and so revolting that it actually makes a person do tshuva. And it makes a person realize what they're not. What seemed attractive at one moment, you know, it looks very alluring. You have the Egyptian culture, they're so amazing, they're wonderful people, they're, you know, they're... And all of a sudden, you know, something happens so violent and so dramatic that it changes, it changes your, your way of looking at things. This is not people that I want to uh, become part of. I don't want to assimilate into people that are animals, that are barbarians. I want to be a civilized person. And so that's what he says it means, we live by our blood. The blood that was spilt was exactly the blood that made us come to the recognition that we have uh, our own life to live, we have our own destiny, and that we're not them. 
you know, similar, Rav Shimon Schwab, I don't want to, you know, spend too much time on what he says. We've spoken about this in years past, but he once gave a speech on the 50th anniversary of Kristallnacht. He gave it in Breuer's, actually, uh, to be there. My father took me to Breuer's on that night. Um, it was a very special event. And basically, Rav Schwab says a very similar vart about the Nazis. He said that the Nazis, the, the, the people of Germany, um, were very cultured. They had um, great art, they had great philosophers, they had great poetry, great musicians. They were a very, very cultured, you know, sophisticated civilization, Germany. And, and the, the Jews, they were very enamored by them. Very similar to, I guess, what happened to the Jews in Egypt. It looked good. And then suddenly, on the night of Kristallnacht, um, everything shattered. Everything, that myth that Germany was so great and they were so civilized and they were so special and they were so, uh, you know, they were so superior, that was a myth that was shattered to smithereens the night of broken glass. He says, in his words, this magnificent crystal ball was smashed to smithereens and Germany once again became the land of darkness. On the night of Kristallnacht, these false illusions disappeared and that's when everything turned around. In history, whenever the Jews get very attracted to other civilizations, HaKadosh Baruch Hu very often sends some major event that that shows Klai Yisrael that we're not them. As much as we want to be like them and we want to copy them, we want to imitate them, we want to, you know, try to, you know, keep other holidays and, 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 and practice their practices and attend their, you know, theaters and their sports events and, and try to, like, become one with them. But then when you see sometimes how, how inhumane sometimes the host country could be, that sort of makes us run for shelter and, and, and retreat and, and, and re, um, reconvene in a, in, a, in a significant way and, and take back who we are and, and become once again the Amma Nivchar. And I, what I was thinking is that perhaps that's really what it means what all these makaris that we said, all these sources about the sympathy that we, the, the thankfulness that we owe uh, the Egyptians uh, for all that they did. What do you mean they, they, did, they did such good to us? I think what it means is that the more hakaris we show, we're basically pushing away from their evil. It's true that they were evil to us. It's true that they that they were people that were so bad and so wicked and so corrupt, and they enslaved us and they did terrible things to us. But yet, that karasatayv that we have to them is not just because oh wow it was wonderful there. It was horrible there. But the fact that it was horrible in and of itself is a reason for us to have akarasatayv, because akarasatayv is a is a basic mida that shows that we are human beings, we're sympathetic, we're, we're better than them, we're different than them, that despite everything that they did to us, we're able to still come out of that country with our pride and our civility intact. That means that we didn't learn from them. We didn't take in what, you know, what 
what we were tempted to, but rather we saw how bad they were, and and despite everything, despite all the blood that they shed, we're still able to show that we're taking a little a little one out of our cup for them. We're showing them sympathy. We're giving. Uh, we're 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 not. We're allowing them even to to come into our nation after a few generations. We're not singing shir. We're not singing a full howl. You know why? Even though it doesn't really make sense, why not? Why why shouldn't I sing full howl? Yeah, they they were horrible to me. I want to sing. No, they they were horrible, and that horror that they were is exactly the reason why. We owe them, in a sense, Hakara Satay, because that that is what exactly awoken us to the reality that we're different. We're the Amanivcher. The reason why we're here today is because they acted that way. The Hakara Satay that we show is that we didn't stoop to their level, as disgusting as they were, and as as base and as vile. We didn't become that. We we transcended them and we're able to be here today and we're able to show that we're able to still have a karsatayv despite everything. Not we not looking away from what they did, looking at what they did, that itself is the greatest lesson for us. That's what awoken us to the reality that we're the Amanivchar. You know, lately it's been uh you know, I, I, I've I've spoken to a lot of people about this, you know, when you when you analyze this war between Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine is the underdog, and they're doing a very good job fighting back Russia, against Russia, and uh, and the whole world is like enamored by Ukraine. This Zelensky speaking in every, you know, via video, in every capital, in every, in the UN, and he's giving muster to people, he's in the Knesset, and he's, he's like, he became like a, you know, probably the most prominent person in the world today, it might be him. And, and everybody's like rooting for Ukraine, and everybody's applauding, and, and, you know, and, and I think we might also find ourselves, everybody likes an underdog, everybody hates Putin, so, you know, but the Ukrainians themselves, we're not talking, of course, about the Jews in Ukraine, but the Ukrainian people historically have been the worst people to the Jews, worse than the Nazis. Uh, I, I, heard a, you know, I heard recently um, a program about, uh, speaking about like, different things that happened, like during Tachvetat, the Chalnitsky uh, crusades against the Jews, the, the pogroms throughout Ukraine, and what they did, I don't even want, it's unspeakable. I mean, they, there are reports about what, what took place there, and I, I like had nightmares from it. But suffice to say, the Ukrainian Gaim were throughout, you know, throughout half of the, uh, of the, last, uh, the last millennia were the worst people in the world, possibly, to the Jews. So, like, when you see, like, these, uh, you know, the, the Egyptian building, the, the Ukrainian people suffering so much, you know, on one hand, you know, if you know all this history, and you know how cruel they were and inhumane and disgusting to the Jews and the anti-Semitism, um, anti-Semitism is like a, a nice way of describing them. If you, you know, if you want to hear about them, uh, I, I, you know, I, I could tell you about it after the, the shir, but it's like a really, real, like, horrible things that they did. Unspeakable. So, you know, you wonder, like, on one hand, you know, you're, why am I, you shouldn't be rooting for the Ukrainians. Ukrainian Gaim are, you know, probably worse than the Russians. 
but at the same time, you know, how do we go through life? We see the Egyptians, we don't hold a grudge against, and, and I don't know if we have to hold a grudge against the Ukrainians. I don't know how to look at them. What the Ashkaf satire is, it's very complicated, you know, how to, how to see them. Lamaisa, they're suffering. These aren't the same people that tortured us in the 1600s, the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, but 2000, you know, but these are, uh, they're human beings. You see, like, babies suffering. You see, uh, you know, mothers and children and, you know, being, you know, really, really uh, in, in terrible circumstances. So I think as Jews... Our our natural inclination is to have sympathy, even even the Egyptians we were sympathetic towards because this is it's not because we're so, we're bleeding heart liberals and we uh you know and we we forget about our history. It's it's almost precisely because they were so cruel that very cruelty made us recognize the great people that we are. And so Klai Yisrael owes them a debt of gratitude, not just because they hosted us, because they hosted us horribly, but they, we owe them a debt of gratitude for showing us who we're not. And we're able to then become who we are once we recognize that those people with the blood, all that they did to us just showed us that we're not them. The Kleisenberger Rebbe, used to, uh, you know, he was also, he suffered terribly in the concentration camps. And one time in a really, really bad, um, bad situation, uh, somebody asked, like uh, like a non-believer, said to the Kleisenberger Rebbe, How, are you still going to say, Are you still going to say that you have chosen us, Hashem, from amongst all the nations? How can you say, look at us, we're like on our hands and knees, we're, we're scraping, you know, who knows what from what, and, uh, you know, terrible circumstances, pouring rain, and, and uh, they were in the mud, and like the lowest that a human being could be. Are you still going to say that Hashem chose us from all the nations? So the Kleisenberg Rebbe said to him, he says, now I could say it more than I ever said it before, with more kavana, because thank you Hashem for for choosing us from the nations, for making us your chosen nations, that we're never them. I don't want to be them. I don't want to be... I'm, I'm, it's so clear to me that you chose us from the fact that, Baruch Hashem, we're not them. And that is what we... When we're sympathetic to them, we're not sympathetic to them as human beings. We're sympathetic to them because we owe them appreciation for being them and showing us who we're not. And that enabled us always to find our direction in life. And when we are sympathetic to their plight, that shows that we never, ever took in the Midas HaKzarius that they had. And that's the Akaras that I think, you know, we owe. We owe the Mitzvah, we owe all the Gaim throughout history. We owe them a thanks because they are uh, so vile to us, many of them, that it basically allowed us to to look at ourselves anew and to see that we're different. I don't want to be part of that culture. It shouldn't have to happen that, you know, we get that close, that HaKadosh Baruch has to send these terrible teichachas to, to make us come to that realization. We should, after so many different episodes in history, we should be able to realize on our own that we're better than them and that we don't, we should never, you know, need to associate that closely with them and try to endear ourselves to them. 
But this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's constant reminder that we are different. Rav Schwab will end with, he says on a Pasuk, that you should walk on there, on the Gayim's highest plateaus. And he says, you know what that means? That a lot of times we, when we are, uh, we're judging how to, how to be ethical in business, how to be honest in, uh, in different things, and how to, uh, you know, what in terms of our, uh, you know, what do we allow ourselves to uh, watch in terms of entertainment. So we basically equate ourselves with Gayim, right? If, if the Gayim paskin that this movie is rated PG, that, that's, a, that's a hechsher for us, we could watch it. If it's PG-17, it's a suffix, if it's R, it's Aser, you know, we make all types of cheshwa based on the Gayim. So we're basically equating ourselves with the Gayim. And the same thing is true for business. If this is okay, if this, you know, if Gayim are doing this or that, and they're doing this shtick and that shtick, that's okay for us to do also in business. The Atah Sidrach means that a Jew treads on their high point. Meaning you take the frumest guy, you take the, the most civilized, the most ethical guy, that's not what our benchmark of success is. That's where the Jew's journey begins. You find the, you know, we're not comparing ourselves to them. We are, we're the Amanivchar, we are the Arla Gayim, we're supposed to be much higher than them. And even the highest guy is our, that's the baseline for what, what our behavior starts at. And that's the, uh, I think that's the aside that we take into Pesach, that Maisi time Vayam, that we have to have Rachmanis on Maisi, not because we feel sympathy for them per se, but we are appreciative of them for what they showed us, what they taught us through the blood and through all the terrible atrocities that were committed. We almost owe them a thank you in a, in a, in a very strange way because through that, we were able to find ourselves. We were able to discover who we really were and to bring out that light within and to understand that our journey is not their journey, that our future is not their future, that our ways are not their ways. I want to wish everybody a, a good kibbench, uh, yantif, um, uh, a beautiful yantif, a chakash v'sameach, uh, and mitzvah uh, Hashem, we should be zeichet to, uh, to be, to be shayev, all of the amuna and uh, all the lessons that the, the yantif affords us, and we should have a chakash v'sameach, lanu l'chal beis Yisrael.